Welcome in the house of fun. Oh, welcome in the house of fun. Welcome to Don't Shoot the Gingers. I am your co-host, Greg Larson. And I'm John Giles. Very hydrated. Very, very hydrated. What have you been drinking? Uh, over the weekend, I drank far too much. I went, uh, we did a little quarantine New Year's party. Um, and six people who had all kind of done like a two-week core beforehand. So we were all ready for it. And did they, we, did drank, you we drank like college kids. Yeah, well, I, I guess it should be, we should figure out if the core is the short word or if it's the team, but we have to abbreviate it somehow. Yeah, definitely core, because nothing else could be core. You, there's a lot of different things that could be teen, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of room for misinterpretation if you call it a yeah, little teen. doing a two-week teen doesn't sound as good as doing a two-week core. <laughs> I, did, I just did a little teen for New Year's, not a big deal. Just a mini teen, just a small teen. Definitely, I, I like core. So I did a two-week core ahead of time, and then we hit the New Year's party, and I drank like it was college again. And it was like rum John came out. I'm usually a bourbon scotch guy. Uh, if I do vodka or tequila, I'll just throw up everywhere. But rum gets me in party mode. And rum John came out. We did rum apple cider. So I was feeling rough this morning. So I've just been hydrating on water all morning. Hell yeah, dude. I'm crushing Topo Chico as always. I got to get you a bendy pink straw. Oh, with the that way you don't have to continually do this. What? With the ZTA mug too. Yeah, man. I'm repping, repping the wife's old sorority. Or that's not – what is that called? That's not a mug, but there's a specific name for that thing. Tumbler? Tumbler. Why do they call it a tumbler? There's nothing very I, like tumbly about it. I imagine it has a really heavy base, so it's hard to tumble. Ah. It's, hard, it's not going to knock over as easy. So it's like an ironic. It's like calling a big guy tiny or something. It's like an ironic yeah. name. It it never Flim. tumbles, so you call it a tumbler. You call it a tumbler. That's pretty cool. On, uh, How about you, man? Can I? Good, dude. Can I tell you my uh, my Christmas story? Sure. Yeah. I've got some Christmas stories as well. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, I was in Austin. I used it. I used the uh, virus as a convenient excuse not to visit any family members, and also that none of them invited me. But that's a that's a different story. Um, uh, well, Alan Mills will invite you one day. <laughs> yeah. Also, what, what's the deal? How come Thanksgiving? It was like you were a, a monster to society if you saw your family, but Christmas nobody gave a shit. Everybody was going yeah. to see family members. Anyway, I was actually being the responsible person for once, and I didn't see anybody except for my friend Aaron. And um, was over at his place at Austin. Uh, it's just me, him, and his brother in the backyard drinking. I don't drink a lot of uh, beer. Um, I don't know if I do like the celiac or like a yeast intolerance or anything like that. But like, if I don't drink beer for a long time, it fucks up my stomach. So I had beers with him, uh, Shiner Box. I had like two beers and I was standing there talking to him and I was like burping a lot. Just had a lot of gas. And at one point I just said, I was like, excuse me, fellas, I'm going to go over here and fart. I walked like 10 feet away and I farted and it was just like, immediately it was so juicy. I said to him, I was like, I may have just shit my pants. (laughs) And he responded. He responded I, like hold on, let me, can I yeah. guess his response? Uh, please. Knowing knowing who this is, this is Turk, correct? No, no, no. This is a different Aaron. This is a different Aaron. Oh, different Aaron. Okay. Because Turk's response would have been very just like, oh, okay. No, well, that, <laughs> was this, that was this Aaron's response too. <laughs> he just – he responded like, um, oh, you're just exaggerating. Like you're you're just making the joke. Like he just – he's like, oh, nice. You know? Um. And I, he started talking, like he started continuing the conversation. He's like, yeah, so anyway, Blue Velvet is a good movie. I said, let me cut you off there and leave. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just shit my pants. I went home and I checked and I texted them. I said, I definitely shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, uh, <laughs> that was the most recent time that I sharted in my pants. So the most recent time for me was a, a good decent long ago maybe, maybe seven years ago but I was uh 
uh, when I, I lived in Alaska and we, we lived in essentially a dormitory. Uh, and we all had like a, it was a little cafeteria space, space at the bottom of the dorm. And we're all in there hanging out. And I'm at this table with, you know, five or six of my friends. And we're just hanging, chatting. And all, I just kind of like, you know, just re- re- releasing some toots. And uh, all of a sudden, I do one. And I'm just kind of just eyes wide open, tense up a little bit. Oh, yeah. I realize, like, uh. So I, pl- I pull this maneuver where I'm like, guys, you guys are being weird. I'm just going to I'm just gonna back <laughs> out of this room slowly because y'all are so weird. And just refuse to turn. <laughs> I can see you doing that, dude. I can totally see you doing that. Holy and sure, sure enough, sure enough, a little, a little, uh, little drop. It. I was wearing white khakis too, so oh my very God. apparent. <laughs> white shitting your pants in white khakis, dude. You put that's such a. You put the pair of pants on like that, and you're like, look in the mirror, and you just say to yourself, "There's no way I'm shitting my pants today." <laughs> Zero chance. There's a zero percent chance of pants <laughs> shitting. The meteorologist is like, "And we have a cold front coming through, sixty-five percent chance of rain, and a zero percent chance that John is going to shit his pants." Back to you in the studio, and you're just like, "All right, man, it's not going to happen." He's got those white cacks on. That's no chance in hell, man. <laughs> Dude, I can totally. It's the commitment to the bit that tells mm-hmm. that I can visualize you doing that. Like, like you guys are fucking weird. I'm just kind of. <laughs> i got to the edge of the hallway and then i just kind of like did like a notion down the hallway and no one was there and then just beelined it to my bedroom just sprinted as fast as i could so no one could get a glimpse of the of the tuchus and uh yeah sure enough it was there now a real real depressing point how much because when i asked my peas on Mm, christmas yeah. yeah it was um it's just liquid. I shouldn't say mm. just liquid. It, it's a, any amount of anything is pretty significant, but it yeah. was liquid. Nothing solid in there for which I was oh, very no. grateful. Yeah. What about you when you're in Alaska? What was the consistency? Liquid, about four liquid tablespoons of, uh, <laughs> wow. yeah, it seems about right. A little over an ounce, maybe, maybe two ounces or so. So Dude, Okay. <laughs> Can I tell you my most second recent shit my pants? Because I just realized it was. <laughs> I just realized it was the Christmas. It was the Christmas before. Like this is a Christmas like tradition for me, I guess. Obviously, I can't wait for twenty twenty one. Christmas twenty twenty one at the Larson household. White Russians all night, man, until it happens. White Russians in white khakis, until they turn into brown Russians in brown khakis. We can, I was. We can call. It- we can call it a whites only party. <laughs> Finally, dude, it's about damn time somebody invited me to one of those. There, it was um, just before Christmas. I was feeling sick. Ah, shit! It was New Year's actually. I was feeling a little bit sick, and I had the story had... is a fucking lie. <laughs> I know, but I was honest with you. Um, I hadn't had any food for like two days because I was just like feeling super sick, and. Um, you know how everybody's talking about like, oh, I had COVID before COVID. This kind of like, oh, I had it in jail. That was my time when I was like, oh, I had it beforehand. This is the time. Um, I was like, it's like thinking that you know a cool band before they become yeah, exactly. popular. I listened um, to the fray before everyone else listened to the fray. This is my COVID. Yeah. No one else gets yeah. this shit. <laughs> right. uh, but anyway. Henry oh, you mean COVID-19? Oh, yeah. Mine was first. I had COVID-15, bitch. That's why they call it the team instead of uh, Quar. Um, I had, hadn't eaten for like two days. And then I see my buddy and his girlfriend. His girlfriend is like an Italian, was an Italian chick. And her mom sent her home with multiple pans of lasagna. And it wasn't just regular lasagna. It was like thick, like four inch thick lasagna with like giant sausage chunks, giant chunks of tomato. It was delicious. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't eaten. Sorry, I'm getting excited about this lasagna. <laughs> I was on the backside of feeling sick. So like I was completely, um, what's it is ra- ravishing is when you have sex with somebody, but what's it like yeah. when you're hungry? Ravaging. Ra- ravenous. Ravaging. Ravenous. Yes. I was ravenous. Um, 
I was so ravenous that I just kept eating without realizing like, oh shit, I haven't had any calories for like two days. And before it hit midnight, I could like feel my stomach gurgling. And it was the kind of gurgle where I was sitting around with my buddy and his girlfriend were playing cards. And it was the kind of gurgle that it was so loud that they could hear it. Oh yeah. But uh, in these instances, do you immediately say that your stomach, Oh, my stomach is growling. It's like, no man, that's your colon bubbling. Uh, I tried to cover it. Like I tried to um, I do like the cough, like as it was gurgling, like, <coughs> yeah. like that kind of shit. Um, and then it got to the point, even before midnight, I was just like, you know what, guys, I got to head out. I'm feeling a little bit sleepy. And the code word sleepy is a code word for having to shit my pants. I didn't have a car at the time, so I had to ride the city bus. And I was, I went <laughs> the city bus, dude. I Thank God I did not shit my pants on the actual bus stop. But like every, you know how when somebody's pregnant, they're giving birth, they have like convulsions. I was having like convulsions that were getting like closer and closer <laughs> together in time period. It's like, all right, I'm having convulsions every three minutes. And then it's every minute and a half. And I was like, oh God, I'm dilating, bitch. And then I finally transferred to my bus. And as I'm walking, I lived on the top floor of my old apartment. As I was walking from the elevator to my unit, it just... It wasn't a choice. It just started seeping out and it was running down my legs. I've never told oh. anybody this before, but it was literally. And now you're telling the whole world. <laughs> running down my legs all the way into my fucking socks, dude. It was <laughs> terrible. And it was like, it, I had this feeling like, okay, I, everything is out as I'm laughing, but I'm also like, this is kind of sad too. It's mid, it's like I'm ringing in a new year, shitting my pants outside of my apartment. <laughs> And I thought, oh, it's all gone now by the time I got to my apartment door. And I sat down and it's just like the lasagna. It's just like entire squares of lasagna in the toilet bowl, not even digested, <laughs> just whole, like all the way out. <laughs> I, I remember in high school, uh, I was coming home from a party and I had the exact same situation. The, the, the tummy bubbles were occurring uh, and... I was like, man, I had this like the thought process in my head of like, okay, if I go home, I'm going to like destroy the bathroom that is like beside my parents' house, my parents' bedroom. Ah. And they're going to hear it and they're going to be like, why are you just coming in at 1 a.m. and like doing this? So I pulled into a Benjamin a Benjamin Moore paint shop on <laughs> Ronaldo Road and it was dead, it was dead at 1 a.m. and uh, no one was there and I parked my Jeep and I kind of went behind it and I just in the parking lot. And I've never seen oh, a poop yeah. as emoji, like poop emoji, like the <laughs> the swirl with the point on top. Yeah, that that is what that's that's the was in the middle of the Benjamin parking lot at eight a.m. the next morning. Holy and and I still to this day think about what the employee had to have been the guy who went and unlocked the door for the first time, who parks and just looks <laughs> down and just goes, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> just a soft serve pile of shit sitting there. <laughs> wow, that's. It's something special when you create something that looks just like the emoji for it, you know? Yeah. I've never had an eggplant that looks like the um, the emoji eggplant, but I have no, had a poop it, that looks like the poop, egg, or the poop emoji. So. <laughs> it's kind of – it's like catching Pokemon, dude. Like you have to have a scenario. Like you have to see a fairy that looks like one of the emoji fairies. You have to you have to make one of these faces like, like the tongue <laughs> out. really good. Face. Really it's like an emoji was in front of me just then. Am I watching the emoji movie? What the fuck, man? This is great. The emoji movie. That now talk about Oscar snubs. <laughs> <laughs> that movie got robbed at the Oscars. <laughs> There's so many movies that are like that. That like how how do they even like the Lego movie has multiple movies. The Lego movie is on its like fourth iteration right now. An yeah, emoji but movie. The Lego movie was good. Was it? The first one was. I, I think okay. it was a good movie. I never actually watched them. So you know, I, I'm at a I'm at a place where I just I'm going by it's a movie about Legos. Yes, that was what you know, it's like under promise over deliver. That's what made it seem better than it probably was. It's the fact of like, okay, I'm going in here with no expectations whatsoever, or uh, low expectations. And then if it's like a seven and a half out of 10, it seems amazing because you're thinking like, oh, it's a piece of shit Lego movie. Um, I, I think that works to its advantage as well. 
Uh, have you ever walked out of a movie in the middle of it? Just like this movie is so bad, I can I refuse to be a part of it. Yeah, the last time I did that was Wreck-It Ralph, oddly enough, which I've actually heard is pretty good, but uh, I walked out in the middle of that one. Oh, okay. I've only ever done it to uh, How Do You Know? It's um, uh, Owen Wilson and like um, who, who, uh, Reese Witherspoon is the girl. Uh, they're yeah. like, she's a softball player. He's a baseball player for the Washington Nationals. And like, they're like in a relationship. And then this like other guy, uh, Ben Stiller, I think is the other one. The oh, other guy God. comes in and like is just like a nerd. And but they fall in love, and now like Owen Wilson. The only line I remember from the movie was Owen Wilson was in the bullpen with all of his other Washington National buddies, and he was just like, "Guys, what's it feel like to be in love?" And they all give their little <laughs> thing, their little snippets. And one of the guys says, "Love is when you wear a condom with the other girls." And I was like, "This movie's so fucking bad, dude. So fucking bad." Owen Wilson as a baseball player. Ben Stiller as the nerd. Reese I think Witherspoon. It was ben as I'm going to look this up real quick. The, the premise of this sounds like uh, it, it sounds as bad as you're describing. It, it sounds so bad, I kind of want to watch it now. I think it's actually Paul Rudd, not Ben Stiller. Paul Rudd was the nerd. Oh, Paul no. Rudd's not a nerd at all. Paul Rudd's like a fun, cool dude. Why did they. Ben Stiller would have been the correct casting for that. Yeah. I just imagine Owen Wilson like seeing a strike go past him, and like it's a questionable pull wow. call, and he turns back to them. Wow! 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 Owen Wilson, I really like. Reese Witherspoon is doesn't appeal to me. No. No, but she's at the uh, Sweet Home Alabama and the Legally Blonde that appeals to fifty eight percent of the world. So. Well. Legally Blonde was uh, surprisingly good. It's like Lego Movie. You expect it to be so bad that it seems better than what it really is. Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Pink, or Pink, White, and Blue, or whatever the movie is. It's had some sort of color like that. That was a really good one. I say that facetiously. <laughs> it was terrible as well. <laughs> What's the best bad movie you've ever seen? Mm. Best bad movie I've ever seen was uh, a, show, a movie called Bird Dimmick. Uh, it's a like a D level horror flick that was obviously filmed like using two different cameras facing the, like different directions when someone speaks. So if two people are talking, there's a camera pointing this way and a camera pointing that way, but they have different audio gains. So it's <laughs> like, so you have like one person in the same conversation. You can hear the background no- background noise of cars driving by, and then this one's like a perfectly like all the noise is canceled out. <laughs> And it's like that for two hours. The whole movie is about killer birds. I mean, it's the same. It's like Alfred Hitchcock, the birds, but much, much worse. Uh, yes. I think I saw that one. Um, I mean, the birds, the birds have like big flapping wings. Yes. yes. Yeah. I think I've seen that one. And the then, second one. The, oh, sorry. The other movie I wanted to tell you, the bad good is just called the tire. And it's about a tire that becomes like lucid and has feelings, but it doesn't have a face, doesn't have a body. It's just a little tire and it just rolls around and kills things and like blows things up. Yeah. Now, okay. Question because Birdemic won, because I think the guy who made it was kind of like some little Indian type dude who didn't really know what he was doing. And it like turned out unintentionally funny. Like it was very obviously supposed to be like, Whoever made it was trying to take it seriously, right? Yeah, it's like a it's an issue on on climate change or something. And yes, yes. Um, now, is the tire was that intentionally funny or was it unintentionally funny? You never know with those movies. Those movies are you can kind of tell though. It's like no, but I, I, do you watch Shit's Creek? No. So so Moira Rose is one of the main characters, and she was a former actor turned nothing and then now she's trying to get back into acting and she gets cast in a movie called like the crows have eyes or something Mm -hmm. and everyone in the in the film thinks it's like a legit movie and like moira's thinking it's very legit and then it it gets cast and everyone's like laughing because they realize it's so funny because it's so absurd but the people who are filming it were like oh that's what we, we were filming an absurd movie i thought we were filming like a real saga and I almost – I know that's a TV show version of that, but I mm-hmm. almost feel like a lot of these – like the director actually has a vision 
and they just don't understand that it's absurd. Yeah, dude. That, but that's what makes it. Because what happened? There was a Birdemic two. There might have even been a Birdemic three. But like, there are all these shows on Sci-Fi that back in the early two thousands or like early two thousand tens, there are all these unintentionally funny horror movies or science fiction movies on Sci-Fi, like Birdemic. But then they started. Well, Sharknado started that way. Exactly. And it became like too self-aware after that, like Sharknado 2, you know, shark versus whale or whatever the fuck is like now it's obvious they're trying to be funny. And it just took away all of the humor to it because it's like the whole the unintentional humor was the best part of it. The only successful version of that I've ever seen. uh, Have you ever seen the Evil Dead movies? Uh Uh-uh. If you like unintentionally funny horror, this is like the genesis of that genre. There, do you know Bruce Campbell? Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the guy from. Um, oh my gosh, I don't know. Big, big white guy. Yeah, older, maybe Spider- mid fifties. Yeah, Spider Man. Uh, I don't know what else he's. All I know him is from Evil Dead. The first Evil Dead movie. Um, you know, there's a, a bad monster out in the woods cabin stuff. Pretty typical. But it's like, it's kind of scary and it's also funny. And the second Evil Dead movie like leans more into the funny, but it still works. And the third Evil Dead called Army of Darkness is like complete slapstick comedy. And it's probably the best of all of them. That's the only time I've ever seen somebody like lean into the comedy side of like unintentional humor. Sam Raimi was the director and actually do it successfully. Yeah. And not just like totally bomb. Right. I feel like, like every time you get like the third or fourth iteration of a movie, it's just the worst. But if you yeah. start off poorly, then like you can only go up. That's true. That's very true. I mean, the only series I've ever seen have staying power is Shrek and the Godfather. Can I can I tell you how I know Bruce Campbell? I just looked him up on IMDb and he has hundreds of roles. He's in yeah. a ton of movies and a ton of TV shows. And the only reason I know who he is is because of the TV show Burn Notice on USA. <laughs> the old like FBI agent who got burnt or CIA agent who got burnt. Now he's like living as a poor man in Miami doing odd jobs. He got literally burnt like in a fire. Uh, no, burnt as in like his like identity got revealed. So he can gotcha. no longer work for secret intelligence. <laughs> that show, that show was very bad. And I watched every episode. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. I feel like that was USA channel's uh shtick was just having like bad dramas uh they had like ncis i think didn't they at one point or i guess they were just doing reruns of ncis because i think uh, that's a cbs program oh no that was Greg, a good channel to watch like yeah go ahead oh no go on, usa let's honestly the next hour is going to be about the channel of usa <laughs> i don't even know what i was saying what were you gonna ask no i was just gonna ask how about your holidays like outside of shitting your pants we haven't. We last time we spoke was the middle of an interview, so we didn't really do a lot of like free form talk. But what what all what all did you get done? Um, I was doing a lot. Any time I could get on stage, I was doing open mics. Here's how sad my holidays were. If there were an open mic on Christmas and Christmas Eve, I would have gone and done a, a three minute set at an open mic. That's how like, that's how. Well, I don't know. There's a part of that that is kind of sad, but there's also a part of it that like I'm proud of, like that work ethic is one of my greatest yeah. strengths. So like I was doing a lot of prepping for Clubby, like doing a lot of um, marketing prep work, like booking podcast interviews for uh, this upcoming spring. Um, like doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Like, okay, I want to sell 3,000 copies of my book in pre-order and for the first week what weapons can I get to my advantage to make that happen? And one of the things I was doing over the um, holidays, (laughs) so I'm creating a list of people that I think could be potential reviewers of the book, like mostly just friends, family, anyone in my network. Like, Hmm. I mean, basically what I did with you, except you, I sent you like an earlier version of the book, but like Send somebody the copy of the book, like, hey, if I send you a free version, would you be open to leaving a review on Amazon and help a ton? And as I was making this list, I started to get into names. Like, I'm going through my old contacts on my phone. I'm going through Facebook friends. And I'm seeing names of people like, oh, Heidi Jo Larson. I haven't talked to her since fall of 2007 when we went to Osborne Hall together in Hamlin University. Like, <laughs> people I literally talked to for three months, 13 sure. years ago. 
at first I was like, there's no way I, this is just weird. And I thought like, wait a minute, I'm never going to see a lot of these people again. What do I have to lose? So now it's like almost a game. Like how obscurely connected can I be with a person and still have the balls to ask them for a review of my memoir on Amazon? <laughs> uh, the list is up to like 600 people now. Nice. Dude, back in college, I was terrible at putting full names in my phone. Same. And I would, it would be like it, multiple contacts in my phone are like girl from pub house. Yes. Which is like, if I were to send the message now, 12 years later, hello, girl from pub house, would you review my book? <laughs> Sorry, that's all the information I have on you. <laughs> Dude, I am the exact same way. Some of them, I saw one contact, the name was literally I done now. It was I space U N N O. Like that's how fucking lazy I was with this. You got nine people on your phone just named Ted. Like, all right, Ted. <laughs> Legit. I, I started just because it's like it becomes a little mystery to solve because then I see, oh, it says I don't know, and then it's an eight four three area code or something, and then I try to like reverse phone number search, sure. and it becomes like a little mystery. Like I put in probably too much work into some random phone number and then I wind up finding out like, Oh, this is Caitlin. And I had mass communications c- class with her one time and yeah. junior. You, you were supposed to do a project together and she did all the work. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. the only memory that she has of you. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's the kind of shit I was doing over the holidays. Beyond that, I was just um, like running and I mean, that was pretty much it, man. It was a pretty well, quiet I know, holiday around here. I know you have some like legit names in your phone book. You have like former major leaguers in your phone book. Are you reaching out to them to say like, would you review my book? Your review is going to have a lot of weight. Yes, I am going to reach out to them. Here's the awkward part is that there's a lot of guys. I use all real names in the book. People, these Most of the people are public figures. Yeah. And um, a lot of guys are pretty big characters. And I haven't talked to them in a long time. And it's this awkward thing of like, hey, man, uh, you're a character in my book, which gets them excited. But I always try to like render people like a complete three-dimensional version of a person. And yeah. sometimes that's including myself. And sometimes that's like the unsavory parts of a person as well yeah. as a character in the book. Um, so, yes, I am going to reach out to all those guys. And uh, those are the ones I'm the most nervous about is the old sure. players. Now, Brian Roberts, old second all-star second baseman for the Baltimore Orioles, he's not going to remember me for shit, but I'll just hit him up <laughs> just randomly. It's the kind of thing, if I tell them what page number their name is mentioned on, yeah. you can't help but look at the book. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that one, I'm lucky that uh, a little anecdote about him made it into the book about how we we're all excited to get this, him to pay for the spread, and then he got hurt. He probably doesn't have a fond memory of ending his 2012 season for an oblique injury, but I'll give him the funny version of that from the Aberdeen Ironbirds perspective of he was going to pay for our spread. Then he shut down his season and we're all like, fuck, there goes the spread. There goes Free that spread that <laughs> So yeah, I am going to hit those guys up for sure. Make sure Jason Hamill gets a nice review in there. Hambone. Interesting. I don't know if I have his phone number. I might. It's a lot of people like the trainer for the Mahoning Valley muck dogs or that kind of shit. Or like <laughs> the, the, the team clubby for the Staten Island Yankees, like yeah. just random guys like that. I mean, but, I've told um, you, you're the most famous person. I don't even think you ever even met this person was Adrian Maureen, who ended up going, getting promoted. That jersey that you made for, for listeners who don't know, Greg made, he was in charge of making jerseys for the Aberdeen Ironbirds that year. And Adrian Maureen got drafted by the Iron or by the Orioles and was assigned to the Ironbirds. So Greg had to make him a jersey. Before the season started, Maureen got promoted to Delmarva. And so he never showed up, but the jersey was made. So Greg just sent me the jersey. It's sitting actually in my storage unit now uh, <laughs> in like a framed box. Uh, so I, a few years later, I was in Winston-Salem and he was playing for, I guess, the Frederick Keys at the time. And Frederick mm-hmm. and Winston were having a game and I brought that jersey to the stadium just to see if I can get him to sign it. And I, I got down to the field and, and I was, Adrian, Adrian, come here. And he came over and I said, um, I said, this, does, this isn't going to make any sense, but you were originally supposed to play for the Ironbirds. And then before you got there, 
this jersey was made, but then you never went, so you went somewhere else. So the clubby who made the jersey just sent it to me. Can you sign it? And he looked at me dumbfounded and then just goes, yeah, I never played for the Ironbirds. I was like, that's the point. That's the that's the reason why this exists. Just sign the damn, just sign the damn jersey. <laughs> I love that kind of shit, dude. It's funny. Yeah, like giving a little story like that, it would be so valuable. Like most of those guys, they just sign as they just sign something and then they move on. Um, I remember there's a little kid at the Ironbird State at the uh, Ripken Stadium. He would give players like pieces of gum or candy for an autograph. I'm not kidding. Like players in the clubhouse, it was a big thing. Like Mills actually came in. He said, Hey, there's a kid out there that'll give you candy for an autograph. Dudes like packed up their cleats super fast <laughs> and they literally like jogged out the door so that they could get a piece of candy for an autograph. Like that's just anything in exchange for that autograph. They're happy. So your little anecdote, even yeah. though it confused the shit out of him, I'm sure it made him not. Uh, <laughs> it gave him some joy. And I wonder if that's uh, a product of them wanting candy. Or of them like getting like a feeling of worthiness. Like someone wants my autograph. Like sure, I'll take candy from it, but like yes, I'll do something for more than just for free. Yeah, I, I think it is like oh, usually I'm doing this for free. The fact that someone is giving me anything in return yeah. for it is is totally cool. And there's one dude in the back of the clubhouse who just loves fucking airheads. And <laughs> that kid's got a whole bag of them. I'm giving him sixty autographs. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> I want um, I want to ask you about your, okay, your favorite parts or your favorite accomplishments or memories from 2020, and oh. your um, your goals for 2021. But let let's start with the let's start with the retrospective. Like okay. 2020, what were your favorite things you did? What were your biggest accomplishments, and uh, like your highlights of the year? So obviously, 2020 was uh, very different than any other year. Uh, a yeah. lot of things that I would usually do were no longer there. Every year we always take a little trip up to uh, upstate New York to go to the river, uh, St. Lawrence River, and, and I wasn't able to do that this year. Uh, a lot of just hanging out with the buddies was no longer to be done. So like kind of just cherishing the times that we did get to see people was, was really yeah. nice. Um, whether it be with my, my family or my wife's family or just like a couple, you know, a couple friends get together um, after we've after we've quartered a couple weeks, uh, those yes. were uh, those were really really special. And I was actually I was thinking about what I was like I guess most proud of for 2020. And like yeah sure you know I didn't get divorced <laughs> like that's a good one. Like I still Hell have yeah. a wife that, that respects me somewhat until she listens <laughs> to the first eight minutes of this episode. <laughs> um, but. I think for the most part, how we like my my company, how we kind of survive through COVID, because um, we sell to restaurants and bars. So when COVID right. hit and all the restaurants and bars shut down, like we were probably days away from just dying, and like our our, our company would have just dissolved. Uh, how many people in the company? That's pretty small. It was at the time it was ten people. Uh, he had to furlough, my boss had to furlough some people, uh, and it was down to four. It was just the boss, the purchase manager, the warehouse manager, and myself. So I was the only sales rep they kept on, uh, wow. which means now I was also working in the warehouse. I was also doing purchasing, I would, like anything to help out. And for like two months, it was like that. And our numbers were absolute trash. Probably that, that April, because everything shut down March 17th, that April was probably... 30% of what we did the year prior. Um, and, I, and even at that, I was like, well, this is unsustainable. Like I need to look for a new job. That's not, that's in a new industry. Uh, but pretty quickly afterwards, we kind of got our footing and figured out creative ways to do things. And uh, I was really proud of us and proud of myself for being a part of that, that group that kind of rebuilt CBS from almost failing. How, now what kind of like change, like what were the actual changes that you made as far as like on a day-to-day -day basis Okay, how much more work were you putting in, and why did you do it? It's not your. It's not like you own part of the company, right? No, but I. I mean, I'm commission. Uh, so if I don't make sales, I don't make money. Uh, so yeah. my part of getting creative was finding a new avenue. We focused a lot on bars and restaurants, but everything shut down. So what's something that's still going to be open? Coffee shops, in and out quick. So I pushed my transition 
hard turn left into like coffee shops. So cups and hmm. syrups and, uh, you know, chais and powders and stuff like that. And now I've got a ton of new coffee shop customers that I wouldn't have had prior. Uh, and then doing a new take on to go where like a standard steakhouse is never going to use a to go box. Like they'll have a little doggy bag if you don't finish your steak, but they're not going to like have an actual to go box. So our thing was let's find the nicest, you know, less expensive product that we can bring in for these people that like, because these steakhouses now need to go options because no one's going to be able to sit yeah. in and have a steak. So what can we do to offer them to, so now we start getting new clients that we never even had before, just because we're able to offer like a luxury item uh, that they now need. Um, so those types of like transitions, I guess were, were, that was a lot of what I did. Yeah. That's a badass move. Like that shift of thinking, okay, so what is open right now? Boom. Coffee shops, high end restaurants that need to add in to go. Yeah. Uh, that's a hell of a shift, man. Well, and it, it hurt us at the beginning because so much of our product, <clears throat> excuse me, so much of our product was uh, nightclub based. You know, those like juice gun syrup juices that you get at the at nightclubs. You know what I'm talking about? Juice gun syrup? So when you go to a nightclub and you order a, a vodka cranberry, they're yeah. not doing an ounce of vodka and opening a bottle of cranberry juice and pouring it in. Yes. They're using a yeah. little gun, a little trigger gun, and, and it's in its rawest form is this condensed sugar syrup that does a five to one ratio with water to make cranberry juice. And yeah. uh, so we sell like that sugar syrup. <clears throat> so we had thousands of dollars of that product on the shelf and now nightclubs are closed and they've still want to open up. So like convincing my boss to transition to new products while, leave, while letting our current products die on the shelves was like, Hey, let's spend more money right now and hoping that we can make money in the future. That was a hard one. That was a hard uh, thing to sell. Do those cranberry syrups, do they go bad? Like, are they spoiled by now? Theoretically, I've got re I've got restaurants that are still buying them. They are expired. But I've got some restaurants that are, like, using them behind the bar, just, like, in their day-to-day -day work. That, yeah, so that tonic water expired in August. I'll still buy it. And, like, we'll give them a discount, obviously, because, like, yeah. we're up front. Like, hey, this is no longer good <laughs> but they'll they'll take it if it's cheaper it's now you know 50 percent off so so now that whenever nightclubs completely open there's going to be this a new pandemic of people using all getting sick off of expired syrup water like all and there, have been, there have been big companies that make these syrup waters that have gone under like multiple that we deal with on a regular basis just no longer exist and now because those companies don't exist I'm getting our current customer base like, hey, I used to get my uh, syrups from, you know, Multiflow or whatever, and they're closed now. So can I get them from you? I'm like, no, we're out of that game. Like, We're not getting back into the syrup game because nightclubs for the foreseeable future aren't going to exist. Well, what about I have an idea for you to use all of that old syrup inventory. Do you need it for your OnlyFans? I was thinking about like using it for jello fight style kind of because I imagine that if it has to be diluted five to one with water, it's got to be pretty thick. Yeah. Use it, sell it to uh, bars and like, hey, man, do a uh, post pandemic mud wrestling style, like cranberry syrup wrestling style event here. That, that would be the filthiest. <laughs> like I when I first started. I learned every aspect of the job. And part of that was going to these nightclubs and servicing their juice guns. So like breaking them open, yeah, cleaning the, the inside, yeah, servicing the juice guns, giving Mike a blowjob in the back room. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you had to, you know, break open the juice guns, you know, clean up all the gunk. And those things were filthy. I've never seen anything bad, as dude. gunky as the inside of those guns. Uh, and that's just like the residual. Just residue. Just, just like just juice residue. residue. Yeah. No, no, mold. no. Okay. But, but if, if one of the guns cracked on the side, if they didn't put it in a little holster and it fell and it bounced off the stainless steel cooler, sure. Mold could get in there because it's no longer a closed environment. Um, but no, having to clean those things out, I saw how absolutely filthy those juices were and just cleaning out the lines and how sticky and awful it was. I can't imagine even being within like 
earshot of a jello wrestling party that's doing the cranberry juice. That's Holy uh, that's foul. <laughs> but all of those adjectives, you know, sticky, juicy, everything you're the way you're describing it, it just makes it sound even sexier. So I'm <laughs> conflicted now. You know what? I'm in. I, I'm in. <laughs> I've got I've got some uh I've got some off-brand Sprite in a box called Lemon High. Let's do that. Let's do Sprite <laughs> Wrestling. <laughs> lemon High, dude. It's not even Sierra Mist. It's not even 7-Up. Lemon High. Lemon High. Yep. We also it's have cool. a, a Red Bull off-brand called uh, Soar. <laughs> nice. Is it S-O-R-E? Because that's how you're going <laughs> to get fucking ass it. It, it is S-O-A-R, but I now want it to be like open sore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Woo. Yeah, okay. So that was a, a highlight of the year was that shift in the business. That is pretty cool. Yeah, just being able to to stay afloat and like, I don't know, kind of prove my worth a little bit. That that felt good to say like, not, not necessarily because I was the only one left on, uh, which was obviously a bonus to me and, and it felt good. But being able to, like, after he chose me to be left on and then, like, make it worth it for him. Make it worth it for my boss to say, like, all right, this, yeah. here are my ideas we bring to the table. And now, like, retroactively, he can be like, that was a good idea. I'm glad I left him on. Uh, that that meant yeah. a lot to me. That, was, that made me proud. So uh, yeah. what about you? What, what, is your, what is your highlight from 2020? Uh, I have a few highlights. I mean, finishing, finalizing Clubby and getting that all edited and submitted was a huge highlight of my entire life, let alone last year. Um, leaving, like I, um, I got into a wild relationship. Uh, I met a woman through couch surfing. She lived in New Mexico. I went to live with her. Quarantine hit. We were just like stuck together. It was like, it was one of the biggest risks. Like how many times in your life do you get to fall in love? You know, like maybe three or four I have or four no times. clue what is happening right now. I've known you oh, forever. Oh, I've never any of this. I, the, a whole mystery to me right now. This is not Greg Larson speaking to me. This is a fucking novel. What? what? <laughs> uh, very long story short. Uh, I think right before I shit my pants last year. <laughs> This is how you met her. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I that's how I think about time. I'm like, okay, which was it before or after that time I shit my pants? Um It's like BC and AD, but year zero was when you shit your pants. Yeah, B A B S and A S before shit and after shit. Um I used to be a part of the couch surfing community, which is basically a group of people around the world. It's a social network where people offer to let other people crash on their couch if they're traveling and don't want to do like an Airbnb or like you have a more authentic experience wherever you're traveling because you crash with a local. Uh, I both hosted and I would meet people when I, I stayed in Berlin for uh, fall uh, in 2019. I met a bunch of people through couch surfing there and I thought, okay, when I get back to Austin, I'm going to, I'm going to host. And I met all kinds of cool people coming through town. Um, just like people coming in for South by Southwest, people coming in for ACL, just need a place to crash. Um, one time it was like a random Tuesday night and I got a message on couch surfing that just said, we are four crazy Danes and we need a place to crash for the night. And like these yeah. four Danish girls just showed up and we like just went and played, did karaoke for the night. And it's just like, just random little adventures like that. Well, I had this one guest from Costa Rica she was flying from Costa Rica, where she was from, to New Mexico, where she worked at a new job at a school there. And she's stopping in Austin on the way, asked me if she could crash over Christmas. I wasn't seeing my family. I was like, sure, whatever. We accidentally kind of fell in love the two days that she was visiting me crashing on my couch. Like nice. we went out dancing and we kissed on the dance floor. And when Ooh, she left, heavy. I know. When she left, I said, uh, yeah, I'd like to see you again. And she said, we'll keep in touch. And I was like, oh my, okay. We get on the phone. Uh, I go back to my apartment after she leaves. And I see she left a bunch of sh like a sweater brush. Like she accidentally left like a half dozen things. And I, was that an accident? Like, yeah, or was it a, a purposeful, like now I have to see him again? Yeah. I, I think they call that a Freudian slip. Like a, 
a subconscious accident. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I message her and we get on a, a video chat and I say, Hey, can you uh, send me your address so I can return the stuff to you? She says, well, I could send you my address or you could bring it back to me yourself. And I was like, I'm in. So my lease ended in January. I go see her in early February. We just like fall deep into love. I saw her for like a, a week. Just imagine me. Like I've known this woman for two days. Yes. I flew, I was in DC, like at a conference and my lease ended, all my shit was in storage. And I flew from DC to New Mexico to see this woman. I didn't know hardly at all. And it's midnight. And it's one of those things like you tell yourself you're an adventurous person and then it actually happens and it's midnight and you're flying into the Albuquerque airport and you're thinking, what in the fuck am I doing, dude? There's one of those moments like, I was like, I'm definitely feel alive. There was a chance you were going to see my half-brother, man. You were in Albuquerque with my half-brother I haven't seen in 18 years or whatever it was. Oh, my God, dude. 25 years. And walk out the door. (laughs) 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 But I I stay with her for just a week, and we, like, completely fall deeply in love. Like, it's unbelievable. And then I don't have a place to stay, so I, like, stay in my parents' mountain house in uh, Montana for a couple of weeks the pandemic starts to hit, dude. It's like March and the world is on fire. And I don't even know if I'm going to be able to cross state lines. I don't know if like oil is going to be in supply. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. And she just says, come up, come down here on a one-way ticket and just see what happens. Nice. So I go down there and we get fucking quarantined together. And now we've still only known each other for like a week in person. And all of a sudden we're living together in a pandemic at her boarding school in the middle of the mountains of New Mexico. And um, it was a whole, yes, it is a novel. I'm literally writing a novel about it right now. But uh, long story, just a little bit longer. It did not go, we found out that we were not a good match. Was this living living together, you saw each other's true colors? Living together, we basically saw like two years of a relationship in two months, like, Okay. Just on top of each other, quarantined together. It was like, uh, yeah, you had to see. It was like a condensed version of a, a long-term relationship, all condensed into quarantine. And um, so, yeah, like that's one of those things that it ended. I don't know. It didn't even end poorly, but it just ended. And it's like, how many times do you get to fall that deeply into love in your entire life? And I got to do it during a pandemic, during my life. I mean, it's just like, it's a huge highlight. Like that was one of the biggest risks I've ever taken in my whole life was flying to go see that woman. I barely knew. Oh, like, yeah, man. <laughs> um, Dude, that's incredible. Yes. Um, so that was definitely one of the big highlights of the year. And then just getting deeper, like starting to do zoom comedy. Like I, uh, when I was in Minnesota over the summer, I was doing Zoom stand-up shows, which live in-person open mics are pretty sad, but like Zoom open mics are, <laughs> it makes you want to jump off a bridge. I mean, it was legit. So when you're doing a Zoom open mic, you can see like, all right, this person entered the chat, entered the, th- and then you can also see them leave. Just like three people show up. And then as you're joking, they just start leaving one by one. That's got to be the most I, depressing. It's even more depressing than that because there are no people who aren't comics. There's no audience. It's just seven comics telling jokes in front of their computers to each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's – but it got me back into like joke writing though. And yeah. it got me like those juices flowing again. And by the time I got back to Austin, it's like completely immersed in stand-up. And like that's just been a huge highlight of the year. It's just been getting back into stand-up hardcore. Um, yeah, I'd say those are the highlights of the year for me. Last episode, we broke down uh, your joke writing process, and we yeah. established a joke that was, I'm so, uh, I have so much dating anxiety, I, or what is it? I have so much anxiety on dates, I can't even look at a calendar without throwing up or something like that. Did yeah. you end up yeah. doing that joke on stage? Yeah, I've been tweaking, I've been tweaking with that joke for the last week or so. It's a good um, success? Nah, mostly no. It's been like 50-50, I think. And um, 
I have to I have to tweak the setup to make it I don't know what, but I, I do have to tweak the setup. I think the setup that you just said actually, like I have so much anxiety about dates. I think that's exactly I think that's what the setup setup should be. In fact, I'm gonna write that down. I the have, joke writing process continues. Yeah. Anxiety about dates. It was it was funny. I, I took what you said and I started like looking around the room at just like objects to be like, can I write a joke about that wicker basket? Wicker basket, wicker basket, that basket. And I start rhyming things and I'm like writing a song in my head. I'm like, I'm off base. I'm off base. Joke writer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's yes. really hard. It's incredibly hard. Yes. It's like wick her, wick her basket, more like wick him basket. Wick her basket. <laughs> I hardly know her. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, it is hard, but like that, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting exercise because like once you confine it to one thing or one topic, it makes it easier because you have nowhere to escape to. Like you can't bounce around. It's like when you told me to go on stage and tell jokes about telling jokes, like, okay, I have to stay in that narrow lane and it, it sure. helps in a way, but yeah, it is still hard. Well, I need to hear a wicker basket joke next time we talk. So <laughs> let me write that down. <laughs> This is going to be our, our yeah. a new running theme. I'll give you a topic of a joke, and you have to come up with a good one. Love it. But actually, yeah, I think I, I want to say this out loud before I forget, but I think making it topical like New Year's actually helps that joke as well. Like I have so much anxiety about dates this time of year. I can't use a calendar without having a panic attack. That seems to work. And then, you know, the tag is, that joke conveniently glosses over the fact that I'm afraid of women. Yeah. It's like, I think that setup works better than the one I was using. I have so much anxiety about dates this time of year because it's the new year and sure. people are using a new calendar this time of year. We'll try I it. I dig it, man. I dig it. All right. I can't wait for, I'm knocking over the whole table. Everything's shaking. The whole world just had a, an earthquake just then. I apologize. <laughs> Um, before we sign off, I, 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 we're not yeah. ready to sign off right now, but I want to make sure we, you wanted to hear retroactively talking about our, our favorite times of the year in 2020, but also our goals for 2021. Um, yeah. Do you want to share your goals or, or I can share mine or. I'll share, I'll, I'll share mine. They're pretty straightforward. I mean, one of my goals is to film a comedy special this year and my like goal to get that i my process goal is to do 300 sets this year, 300 shows this year, and then film a, a special at the end of the year. And then, uh, are you going to do that goal, thing where you take a selfie at the beginning of every single one and the same as your face changes or that wobbly, you like every video you've ever seen of that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should. That'd be kind of cool. It's just like getting sadder and sadder as the year goes on. Um, <laughs> and then, with Clubby, my goal is to sell 5,000 copies pre-order and the first week, both included. And then with uh, the novel that I'm writing about, the little story that I told you about meeting the woman in New Mexico, um, finish writing that novel by uh, April 1st when Clubby comes out. Finish editing that novel by baseball by the end of baseball season, so like October, September time. That way I could like start right when like the the – excitement of clubby dies down after the baseball season then it's like okay now i'm gonna go to publishers and say look at the success i had with clubby now uh here's my newest book so, so five thousand five thousand pre-sale copies for clubby is a goal what is the approximate number it takes to get on like the new york times bestseller list about 7500 copies in a week in a way, but a that's week. Oh, like God. yeah that's like um they have – it's not – the New York Times bestseller list is mostly an editorial list. It's like just a choice, but really roughly 7,500 copies. There's a lot of okay. X factors, but that's really roughly. So the interviews that you're doing, those podcast interviews, do you have some like big key names? You don't have to say the names yet, but the big key names that are like, all right, if I get that podcast to nail and like, you know – 
this huge audience hears me, like I can easily surpass 8,000 copies. Uh, either way, easily surpass 8,000 copies. It's not going to be just cause I'm, it's a small publisher, but like there are certain podcasts that I do want to get on. Like anything barstool would be big and you hooked me up with one of those guys and I've been in touch with them. And it's been excellent. Um, but like local, like local, um, radio or news outlets for local um oh cool yeah what am i trying to like local cities like, like drive, you know like Chicago. exactly like those yeah. kinds of interviews i think would be the biggest because those are my my demographic of people who would read and buy the book okay i still think that ben Lindbergh on fangraphs if you can get fangraphs audio and like effectively wild to listen to your story effectively wild yes. has an insane number of listeners and they're all avid baseball book people. So if Ben Lindbergh and Sam Miller and Meg Rowley all say, you got to read Greg's book, you're going to get literally 10,000 copies sold, like just off of them. Well, Ben, uh, luckily Ben has been responding. He wants to get a uh, an advanced copy when I'm able to get them. So he's been responsive. I'm so excited about that, man. It's such a good book. It really is honestly a truly good book. I was telling it to my friends and like, it's so much more than just a baseball book. It has, it's a, it's a growing narrative. It grow, uh, your life changes and everyone else's life changes throughout that book. And it's more about that with baseball as a background. I totally agree, man. I totally agree. I appreciate that. What yeah. about you, man? What are your goals for this year? So, I guess number one, well, not number one, my my number one goal is not this, but this is one. It's, I want to do things like go to a baseball game safely in the year. Like, yeah, just sit in the stands. Actually, one of the last things I did was I went to a, a summer indie league game or a collegiate bat game, I think actually was what it was. Uh, and they were doing, you know, proper protocol where it was like me and three of our friends were sitting in like the press box and that was our <laughs> room. And then, like, a couple, like, every suite had, like, four people in it. But no one was allowed in the stands. So that was the last sporting event I saw. And I want to be able to see those types of sporting events without mass protocol. Just, like, enjoy the yes. game with the atmosphere. And that can't happen Fuck until yeah. we're safe again. So, um, But that Fuck one's yeah. one. Uh, buying a house is another, which I actually Ooh. cross our fingers and toes and dicks and all that. But in three days, I'm looking at a house, and it looks great. Oh, it looks like it's really fun, and there's a, there's a chance, a small chance, but whatever. January sixth, we might be putting in an offer, but who knows? Nice. <laughs> I've already put in an offer on two now. houses. What now? I said it's only in a couple of days. It's wild. Yeah, three days. We've we've put an offer in on two different houses now that we've really liked, and we've gone aggressive on both of them, like ten thousand dollars over on both of them, and we still haven't gotten either of them. So now we're like, well, how aggressive can we be? Because we can't like overshoot it and then be house poor or, or the house not appraised or anything like that. So it's just a waiting yeah. game. And we're hoping that no one else knows about this house. Woo! What's the address and your social security number? Uh, two, six, no, hold on. <laughs> this is live. This is a live feed. I don't, mm, I don't trust C. Johnson. I don't trust C. Johnson. He says it was a double wide. Hell yeah. Uh, my third goal is obviously associated with this. I want to get triple digit Instagram followers without having a single post. (laughs) Hold on. Let's do an update. Let's, let's do an update. Where are you at? Where am I at right now? Oh, Instagram feed just died. So, yeah. All right. Right now I have 23 followers. I'm following. Wow. So uh, almost an eight to one ratio right now. Uh, That's up. Last last time our goal was to get you to 15. You're at 23. Let's see if we can get you to 30, dude. Uh, why, why shoot low? I want 100. I want 100. Well, I know, but incrementally, the next, next week, our goal is to get you to 30. So when you do these uh, podcasts for Clubby, I understand Clubby is like the ultimate goal. But fuck Clubby. I want your ultimate goal to be giving me subscribers. You spend the entire podcast talking about subscribing to at Puma Revive. P-U-M-A-R-E-V-I-V-E-D at Puma Revive. (laughs) 
Okay, two two things. One, our Instagram feed just died, and Chris Johnson sent me a message that said, "Damn, you're just gonna boot me like that? Like, I, <laughs> how fucking self-centered do you have to be?" To think that, like, I did I, say C. Like, Johnson right before it died. <laughs> I am like, we're sticking with what? that story. Um, and number two. Now, an easy way to get followers without posting anything is just to follow a bunch of people yourself. Is that's that exactly. within the bounds? So that's the key. I, if I start following people, my ratio falls. Right now I'm at mm-hmm. an eight to one follower to follow ratio. If I follow 25 people and only five more people follow me back, I'm barely one to one. Like, So I, what ratio do you have to stay at? Because eight to one to is a pretty – Difficult to sustain ratio. I don't know. What does Miley Cyrus have? I feel like that's about what I should be looking for. <laughs> All right. So my, my, here it is. Miley Cyrus has 119 million followers and she's following okay. 744 people. So I think that's the ratio that I should shoot for. 119 million to 744. Damn. I don't want to Are follow 744 people. Imagine how... How convoluted my feed would be if I followed 744 people. Hold on, let's do the math on that. Good, 119 million people divided by 744. So you'd need yeah. a ratio of 100, approximately 160,000 to one. <laughs> What's wrong with that? So currently, I have three followers. So what is that? What is that? 160,000. That's 540,000 followers. I need 540 followers. 540,000 followers to my three. I see that being viable. I don't see what the big deal is. If Miley can do it. You mean people that you're following? You're, you're following no, three I, people. I'm, I will follow three people. I need roughly 540,000 people to follow me to have the same ratio. <laughs> okay. So if, we, if you can't get follows through – if you can't get followers through posting, that's out of the picture. And you also can't get followers through following other people. Then what do we do to push numbers? Uh, have a better podcast. Okay. That's it. <laughs> uh, can we do uh, – I have one joke this week. Can we do it? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Does that make you excited when I just say, yeah, that's fine? Huh, it does. That's like – usually you're – uh, disinterest is way better than active hatred, which is usually what I get when I tell jokes. So uh, I love it. It's an improvement. Okay. Here's my, uh, here's my only joke for the week. People in Austin hate cats. They hate cats so much. I went to the zoo and they said, Austin butterflies transform from dogger pillars. <laughs> the masturbating joke was better. <laughs> I do like I, I like the dogger pillar. I man, I'm so mad. I had a joke that I thought about that's an old joke of mine, and now it's gone. I didn't write it down. <clears throat> I don't know if I other than um I guess old reliable, what's the difference between an oral thermometer and a rectal thermometer? What? Just just the taste. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I love that. Alright, man. Uh, this episode of Don't Shoot the Gingers is brought to you by Greg's book, Clubby, a minor league baseball memoir. Pre-order now on Amazon. Just type in Clubby Greg Larson. And I don't want to get too exciting. I don't want to get too too many uh, jolts of energy, but we might have a new sponsor coming up. People are listening to our show and they're saying, we want to be sponsoring you. So I'm not going to say who it is until they officialize it, until they send us in the ad swap. But in the middle of next week's episode, we might have to say, let's take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. I'm excited for it. There's a 59% chance that I'll forget every single time. And I think we'll remember eventually. Also, John, just on a note for you, I sent you a possible, I don't know if this is enough, but I sent you a possible uh, ad for the swap that you just mentioned. I sent you copy yeah okay uh i i the slack channel finally came back up and i do see it now did you it's just the script okay i can read it 
Um, okay. We can actually record that right after we right after we sign off. Uh, we can record okay. that and go ahead and have it a, a little teaser for next time, guys. So a little teaser for next time. We'll have ad swaps later. Uh, John, where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram with my 540,000 followers in the future at Puma Revive. That's P-U-M-A-R-E-V-I-V-E-D. I will not post a thing. I will not follow anyone else other than my wife, Greg Larson, and Burns Gregory. The only followers <laughs> that anyone will ever need. You can also follow me on Twitter at Puma Revive. Again, that's P-U-M-A-R-E-V-I-V-E-D. And you can follow us on Twitter at Ginger Don't Shoot. And for me, you can find me on Instagram at Greg Larson Comedy, Twitter at the Greg Larson, OnlyFans at Greg Larson Comedy, and find our YouTube channel, Don't Shoot the Gingers, and order my pre-order Clubby, which comes out on April 1st at Clubby Greg Larson. Just type that into the search bar on Amazon and fucking find me at your local open mics and if you're in Austin, Texas only, so... I'm I, uh, I look forward to buying seven. Po- oh, oh, hold on! I look forward to buying seven copies and helping you get on the New York Times bestseller list. Woo! Let's do it. From downtown, I'm Merv Bagley, and I'm Darren Fox, and you're listening to Don't Shoot the Gingers. Love you. <laughs> <laughs>